You're listening to Comedy Central. October 10th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Our guest tonight is a WWE superstar. John Cena is here, everybody! And we'll be talking to him about his new children's book. That's right, his new children's book. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Yesterday, you may remember we learned from a new climate change report that the state of the Earth is only getting worse. And if we're not careful, global warming's catastrophic effects could hit us in just 12 years. And today, for those of you who don't like to read, Mother Nature prepared a little demonstration. What's happening now, breaking news, eye of the storm. Michael makes landfall as the most powerful hurricane to hit the U.S. mainland in more than a quarter century, with winds clocking in at an incredible 155 miles an hour. Heavy rain and sustained winds pulling homes apart flooding rivers, ripping railings from the ground, collapsing beachside homes, leaving a wake of destruction in its path. That's right, the Gulf Coast is right now experiencing its worst hurricane ever recorded, and they've named it Michael. (laughs) And look, people, I'm gonna put it out there, we need to start giving hurricanes scarier names, right? (laughs) It's almost like Florence and Bill or Diane. No one is like, you guys run, Diane is coming! If you named it something like Hurricane Skull Crusher Bloodstorm, maybe people would get out of the way. Plus, then it would be hilarious if the storm fizzled out, because then on the news, they'd be like, Hurricane Skull Brusher Fra Bloodstorm was one inch of rain and barely made landfall. <laughs> Moving on to other scary news, Halloween is almost here. And if you are an older kid planning to go out, you're in for a treat. How old is too old to trick or treat? Well, if you happen to be in Virginia on October the 31st, the answer is... 12 years. Several uh, towns in eastern Virginia have laws that make it illegal to trick-or-treat if you're older than the age of 12. In fact, it's a misdemeanor, and it comes with a fine between $25 and $100, and it could also lead up to six months in jail. Yes. Yes, you heard that right. Some towns in Virginia are planning to arrest any kids who trick-or-treat over the age of 12. Imagine that. Six months in jail for a 13-year-old who wanted to dress up. I mean, don't get me wrong, the mug shots would be pretty dope. Uh, and getting arrested in a costume might not be the worst thing because then at least when you walk into jail, all the other inmates will be like, who's the new guy? Oh, shit, it's Dracula! <laughs> and look, I don't think any kid should go to jail. I really don't think that. But here's what I don't like. I don't like the idea of me on Halloween opening my door and then there's a group of 17-year-old kids standing there, right? That shit happens to me all the time. I open the door and they're just there, no costumes, holding pillowcases. That's not trick-or-treating, okay? This is like a soft robbery. Go away. (laughs) Give them Snickers and my wallet just in case. Moving on to some travel news, the fight continues over what kind of crazy shit you can bring onto a plane. 
A woman had to be wheeled off a Frontier flight because she refused to leave her emotional support squirrel behind. The airline says when the woman booked her flight, she noted she had a support animal. She didn't say it was a squirrel. And since a squirrel is considered a rodent, Frontier would not allow her to keep it on the plane. Oh, man. I feel so bad for the squirrel. No, I mean, it's not a big deal for us humans, but he must have been so excited for that tiny bag of nuts. This is my dream! And this whole ordeal must have been so weird for the other passengers, because you're on a plane and there's a squirrel, right? The only time you expect to see a squirrel on a flight is on a Spirit Airlines flight. Yeah, <laughs> on the menu for $12.95. All right, let's move on to our top story. The Trump administration. Other than rampant chaos and cheeseburgers for breakfast, it's also known for its high turnover rates. Right? Trump officials leave so regularly, they don't even get business cards anymore. They just write their names on a little piece of whiteboard. It's just like, yeah, just wipe off the Scaramucci and you're good, come on. <laughs> but even though people leave all the time, yesterday's news caught everybody off guard. The surprise shakeup inside the Trump administration. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, resigning. A source close to Haley insisted she's leaving on good terms. For all of you that are going to ask about 2020, no, I'm not running for 2020. I can promise you what I'll be doing is campaigning for this one. I think she's helped make it a much better position, if you want to know the truth. I think it's become maybe a more glamorous position than it was <laughs> two years ago. Maybe I wonder why, but it is. I wonder why, <laughs> but it is. This compliment brought to you by Me Too. Me Too, <laughs> when you just don't know when to stop. But Trump's weird comment aside, uh, look at the fun these two are having, right? Like, this is different. You never see someone leave the Trump White House like this. On good terms with Trump, scandal-free, smiling. Like, usually it's John Kelly who has them in a headlock like Khabib, just trying to get them out of the White House. It's like, shh, don't fight it, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> You'll wake up in two days with a job on Fox News, come on. In fact, Haley's exit was so normal that it's actually become suspicious. People are now speculating that Haley left because she wants to run for president, uh, that she's in debt and needs some of that sweet private sector money, uh, or that she wants to get out before a serious scandal comes to light. My theory? My theory is she left because she had tickets to A Star Is Born at the same time as a Security Council meeting, and you're not not gonna see A Star Is Born, so she just quit. That's what I think happened. But none of that matters. What does matter is that our president, hashtag not my president, is sad <laughs> because his ambassador is leaving. And of course he's sad because look at how she represented America at the UN. For too long, the Human Rights Council has been a protector of human rights abusers and a cesspool of political bias. What we witnessed here today in the Security Council is an insult. It won't be forgotten. The United States will remember this day in which it was singled out for attack in the General Assembly, and we will remember it when so many countries come calling on us, as they so often do. For those that don't have our back, we're taking names. God damn, Nikki Haley does not f around. <laughs> like, I can't tell if that's C-SPAN or Kill Bill Volume 3. It's just like, I'm holding grudges and taking names, woo! Although I will say, uh, I don't know if the United Nations is the best place to say you're taking names because everyone is from a random part of the world. She's like, all right, I'm taking names. You, what's your name? Hadish, what up? <laughs> all right, you know what, actually, I'm giving names. All right, you're John. I'm not gonna forget what you did, John. <laughs> I'm not... 
And that kind of attitude, that kind of attitude is exactly what Trump wanted for America at the UN, right? America first, everybody else last. And somebody who's not afraid to tell other countries where they stand. Although, I don't know if he really completely understood what Haley meant by taking names. And that was really the thing I think she did best at the United Nations. She got to know the players. She got to know China, Russia, <laughs> India. She knows everybody on a very first name basis and they like her. Wow, first name basis. Everyone like China. <laughs> it's almost like Trump is impressed that Haley knew the people she worked with. Right? He, she knows everybody she works with. So impressive. It makes me think that Trump doesn't know the names of the people he works with. Like, if he wants to talk to Jared, he just yells, bring in that weird guy with the face. <laughs> no, not him, the other guy. So anyway, a very fond farewell to Nikki, um, whatever her name is. I wasn't taking names. The important thing is, now we want to know who is going to replace her. And out of all the people who have been floated, there is one in particular that caught Trump's eye. I've heard a lot of names. I've heard Ivanka. I've heard how good would Ivanka be. The people that know, know that Ivanka would be dynamite. I think Ivanka would be incredible. That doesn't mean I'd, you know, I'd, I'd pick her because you'd be accused of nepotism. Even though I'm not sure there's anybody more competent in the world, but that's okay. You know what I enjoy sometimes is watching Trump have an entire debate against himself. <laughs> Because he does as president what we all used to do as kids. Remember when you'd play with little action figures and you'd play both roles? And be like, I like Ivanka. No, that's nepotism. <laughs> Screw you, she's best for the job. I know, but it's not right. Ah, oh, okay, you're right. Let's kiss. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm pregnant. Uh... <laughs> anyway, uh, to her credit, First Lady Ivanka quickly took herself out of the running for the job, which means Trump needs somebody else to represent him at the UN. And until they find someone, my suggestion is they just get a giant gold hand with its middle finger raised in the air. <laughs> Think about it. It's tough, it's glamorous, and it truly represents how Trump feels about the rest of the world. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Election day. Election day 2018 is only 29 days away. And if you can vote, I hope you don't take for granted the amazing opportunity you have to get a free sticker, okay? <laughs> As a non-US citizen, I've gone broke buying those stickers. You appreciate them. And now one of the more interesting midterm contests is the governor's race in Georgia. It's between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. And I'm not even gonna waste time telling you which party they belong to, because, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> really now. So, here to help us break down this Southern race is our very own Southern gentleman, Roy Wood Jr., everybody! Oh, hello, Roy. Yeah. Now, this race is serious, Trevor, serious business. And, you know, I know many people think of Georgia as a red state, but nowadays, it's a lot like old white people's feet, getting weirdly bluer and bluer. <laughs> and that's mostly because Georgia's population is getting blacker and browner. Just, just take a look at these pictures. This is a Georgia farm in the year 2000. Now, check out that same farm 18 years later. <laughs> Sick. 
significantly more Migos in that second picture. Way more Migos. And if those minority voters go her way, Stacey Abrams could become the first black woman elected governor of any state. Any state. Which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we've had a time-traveling robot governor. Hell, we even had a warm glass of skim milk as governor. But we're still waiting to give a black woman a chance. Well, Roy, it sounds like right now Stacey Abrams has got people excited. Like, what do you think it is? Oh, well, I mean, you know, she's got a really progressive platform. Criminal justice reform, more money for health care and education. But for me, her big draw is her resume. Abrams is used to being the first. The first African-American girl to be valedictorian at her high school and got her law degree from Yale. She was the first African-American to lead in the Georgia House of Representatives and the first female leader in the history of the Georgia General Assembly and authored eight romantic suspense novels under the pen name Selena Montgomery. romantic suspense novels with names like Reckless and Hidden Sins. Those sexy time books should help her win a key voting demographic, the horny-ass mama. Wait, that's... that's horny a, mamas. That's a key voting demographic? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, man. Horny-ass mamas, man? They have lots of demands, too. Tax breaks on bubble bath, bringing back those really big wine glasses, and funding to develop a candle that smells like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Who? You, you, you ever smelled Mark Ruffalo? I, I can't say that I oh, have. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He walked past me one time in the breeze. I just... <laughs> oh, okay, let's, 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 get back, let's get back to the race, Roy. Um, it seems Stacey Abrams could make history in the state of Georgia. Maybe. First, she has to beat Brian Kemp. He's the current Georgia Secretary of State. And even Republicans look at him and go... God damn, that's a Republican. I'm Brian Kemp. I'm so conservative. I blow up government spending. I own guns that no one's taking away. I got a big truck just in case I need to round up criminal illegals and take them home myself. I strongly support President Trump, our troops, and ironclad borders. And I stand for our national anthem. I say Merry Christmas and God bless you. Okay, I've heard Republicans brag about the anthem and Merry Christmas before, but saying God bless you? That's the first time I've ever heard a Republican like, hey, yo, 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 none of that gazoom type bullshit. We Christians around here. Also, also, Roy, forgive me, but, but I'm confused. Why is Camp talking about securing the border? Like, is Georgia even next to Mexico? Oh, no, Trevor. Georgia border's a much scarier place. Florida. And I'm not just shitting on Florida. As someone who's from Alabama, let me tell you, all the states in the South, we hate each other. They all hate each other. Georgia thinks Florida is gross. Alabama thinks Kentucky is stupid. And Kentucky thinks East Virginia is a state because Kentucky is stupid. So, so Roy, do you have any idea then who ends up becoming uh, Georgia's governor? Trevor, it's too close to call. Right now, the polls have the two candidates pretty much even. This race is a lot like an old white person's feet. The more I look at it, the more I don't know what to think. Roy Wood Jr., everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. 
tonight is a professional wrestler, a 16-time WWE World Champion, a movie star, and now author of the new children's book, Elbow Grease. Please welcome John Cena. <laughs> shot to their feet. Yeah, this is going to be great because I either want to fight that guy or I kind of like that guy. <laughs> and those two folks were just uh, <laughs> looking around, kind of feeling the room out, you know, seeing what's going on. And then finally... <laughs> Thank you, last two people to get up. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you for being on the show. This is great. So good to see you again. Congratulations on everything that you've been doing. I honestly, when, when I saw that you were getting into movies, I thought maybe that was the end of John Cena, the WWE superstar, but you show no signs of stopping. Well, I, I mean, they just, they keep calling. I'm very grateful, man. I'm very right. thankful. Yeah, no, uh, and, and I don't think it's the end of John Cena in WWE either. I kind of have to do a little bit of a juggling act because uh -huh. the movie folks are really leery about the insurance, but uh, whenever I can come <laughs> back, <laughs> whenever I can come back to WWE, I certainly do. So uh, hopefully there's no time stopping. I, right. I love what I do and I love going to work every day and I love doing stuff like this in front of people like this. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm enjoying myself, man. You know, I, um, I, I always loved you on uh, WWE and I, I remember when I, when I met John in person, when I met you for the first time, I was at the MTV Awards, yep. and I was sitting next to you at the table, and you know, you're sitting around people. There's people you, you meet all the time in, in this business, but I turned, and I was like, oh, John Cena. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're gonna be like. I was like, I, I don't know why. You just assume that everybody's gonna like, like slam you through a table or something. <laughs> but no, honestly, you, you're not just one of the nicest person I've ever met, which is almost easy for people to do, but you are a man of many talents and many ideas. Like, you're teaching yourself to play the piano. Yeah. That's like a thing that you're doing. I'm a horrible teacher, so it's a slow process. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you, say, you say that, you say that, but you also spent the last five, of your, five years of your life teaching yourself how to speak Mandarin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so there's a, there's a crazy story behind that. WWE is a global company. We're everywhere. We're in 140 countries or close to 200 countries. Like, we're acro across the world. We're not in China. Uh, we, were, we were privileged enough to go to there uh, in 2010 to perform in Shanghai. And I took a look around in Shanghai, which looks like... 20 New York cities. Right. I was like, whoa, we need to be here. And I wondered why. And it's just because the culture doesn't understand what we do. And every other culture across the world understands WWE, good guy versus bad guy, storytelling, cheer, boo, whatever. They just right. don't get it. And they don't get it because they can't relate. They have no cultural attachment. So oh. after I left Shanghai, a couple of years later, we went back and uneventful, we had an event, but it wasn't anything special. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be proactive about this. I'm going to start to learn to speak Mandarin, because maybe if one of their top superstars can actually speak the language, hopefully we can bridge the cultural gap and WWE can truly be the global company that it says it is. You see, like, that, 
That to me is... So, this has kind of been an experiment five and a half years in the making, and I've still been failing. We still go over there only frequently. Every time it gets a little bit better and a little bit better, but this is not happening overnight. I know it's not going to happen tomorrow, and right. it's not going to happen next year, but I continue to work at it, just like elbow grease. I never give up, and right. I continue to keep learning and learning, not only uh, about Mandarin, but about Chinese culture. Currently filming a movie, movie over in China with the, the legendary Jackie Chan. So, trying... Trying to hopefully one day, and I, I honestly don't think I'll even see it in my tenured lifetime in the WWE. I think the WWE's connection with China will be for the generation after me. So all this work isn't even for me. It's for the other guys, so they can go wrestle in front of all those crazy, wonderful, uh, fantastic cities in China. Right. Yeah. You see, so this is the thing that I, I, I love about John Cena, is that you've always been about self-improvement. You've always been about creating something new for yourself. Not always. There's a weird you. stretch that it was not about self-improvement. <laughs> we but don't talk about that time. You like that time. We don't, we don't speak about that time. time. Yeah. We don't speak about that time, Trevor. Yeah. But that's what this book is about. John yes. Cena has written a book. If John Cena wrote a book in my head, it was always going to be about something that involved lifting weights or working out. But this is an inspirational book, and it's a kid's book, and it's really great. It's called Elbow Grease, and it's a story of uh, a little monster truck who is in a family of monster trucks, mm -hmm. and this little dude gets laughed at because he's a small monster truck and he's electric. And you, you grew up in a family of brothers. Were you the little one? Uh, believe it or not, we were all pretty even. Wow. Yes. That's I like have, a family of yous? I have, I have four <laughs> brothers, and there is a family of me's, and we're right. very close in age, and there was a time period before I really started, started getting into physical fitness that any fight was a coin flip. And there right. were tons of fights, and I got my ass kicked, and I did pretty good, but it was like when the fight started, you just kind of ducked for cover and right. came out on top, yeah. And, and the, 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 the story's really cool because when I started reading, I was like, oh, it's just gonna be a simple story about like, oh, this monster truck trying to find himself in life. But I, I know this sounds crazy, but you, you dig deep in like, there's like some emotional yeah. stuff in here where you like, yes. as, you know when you're reading a book as an adult and you're like, this is for the kids, and then you're, and you're like, shut up kid, hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. This is painful, this is powerful. Like there's themes in here about being different, there's things about being bullied as well. There's like this, you, you, you made failure. sure, there's right. There's a sentence in there specifically that says, if you only do things you're good at, you'll never learn anything. And just one blurb, and it's a two-page spread, and it's just the one blurb on the two pages. If you only stick to things you're good at, you'll never learn anything. So just one, that's one instance. And that's something that, like, as an adult, you can be like, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right, so. You as John Cena don't seem like somebody who has ever had to worry about being bullied. You don't Are seem you like somebody. Are kidding me, dude? Come on. Look at this. You see all this? I usually have like a sweet $12 fade, and I grew this uh, pompadour thing out that's, that's, it's here, but it's certainly not here. And uh, the internet has had a feel, this is just the most recent uh, reason I've been teed off on. Like, right. I get teed off on the regular, which is great because you do stuff like this for young readers. Right. And you meet a lot of young people. And man, being a young person and being an adolescent is extremely difficult because I remember when I was in junior high, if I wore the wrong shirt to school, like the school laughed at you and you're like, my life is ruined. Now the world can laugh at you. And like as a kid, I don't know how you handle it because right. as a 41 year old, I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's true. That happens to people online. Is you, you read through the stuff and it starts Bro, it's digging tough. in. It's but tough out you wouldn't there. think you would go through that as well. All the time. I'm like the most hated personality on WWE television. It's like it's been and that the way most for, loved oh, though, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, so that's what's weird. And that's also why I continue like that support system and for everybody who's ever uh, uh, supported me out there, I really want to say thank you because it's 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 got me through a lot of tough times. Right. Like a lot of tough, sticky situations of 
being bullied and, and, and facing negativity, but it's stories like, hey man, you inspired my son to never give up. Or I met a young reader today that says, you're the reason, you're the reason I tell my opponents good game after every match because I, I want to show right, them respect right, 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 because right. of me and hustle, loyalty, respect. So to, to hear little things like that, it's like, it makes it all worth it. So I get bullied all the time, which is great because when, when young readers are like, no, you're John Cena, nothing's wrong. I literally can tell them that. And, and it's awesome because it plays out in WWE. So I can say, hey, remember the match I had with so-and-so? Right. Remember listening to the crowd where half of them liked me and half of them, and you can see their eyes go, yeah, that's crazy. So you can relate to them on that level and kind of I can bestow upon them like, hey, man, just be true to yourself. And as long as you're comfortable in your own skin, those people are suffering from problems that they have and don't pay any attention to it. So it's really cool to be able to send a message like that. This has been one of the most uplifting conversations and interviews I've had. Thank you so much man, for being on the show, my I friend. Come back. I hope I didn't ruin it, guys. Are you kidding me? Any, what, ruin it? You made it the best thing ever. Elbow Grease is available now. You want to read it, and then you can give it to your kids. John Cena, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.